Welcome everyone to How Winners Win Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Blue, joined as always by my co-host, Kita Spears, aka High Key. What up, everybody? And we are excited here today, guys. We have an amazing guest. And before I properly introduce her, make sure you guys head over to iTunes, Spotify, however you're listening to our show. And if you get value out of this episode, make sure you guys give us a subscribe to the channel, review, give us a five-star rating that really helps our show get in front of a lot more people. So I want to properly introduce somebody that uh, is a friend of ours, a customer of ours, and is an overall badass. Her name is Yvonne Vangasbeck. And she is the self-titled ramen noodle queen. And I say that because Yvonne has a a really cool story that she's going to get into. But she went from managing 18 hair salons to now working full-time from home on her online business. She sold a shitload of ramen noodles during COVID. And uh, her business had to adapt. She sells a lot of things online. Yvonne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Daniel. I'm glad to be here and see your smiling face. We are so uh, happy to see you. I love your new hair. It's good to uh, (laughs) do this in person during these these crazy times. So tell us, I I know you're doing six figures in sales with your online business, and that didn't happen overnight. I remember when I first started talking to you a few years ago, you you were running the show for great clips. What inspired you to take the leap and, and start an online business? Uh, we started the online business for my husband. He retired and was at loose ends, and he said, what do you think about this? You know, I could I could do this from home. This might be interesting. So being the very wonderful spouse that I am, haha, um, we went through all of it, and we got him set up, and then he wasn't interested anymore, so I had to take it on. We couldn't get out. We were $156,000 in debt. Somebody had to do it, and it ran into me. Um, now, transitioning was not exactly my idea, but it turned out to be one of the better things that's ever happened. I was kind of pushed out of my position because of my age. I was, uh, from the time I turned 65, they started asking when I was going to retire, when I was going to retire, when I was going to retire. I said, ah, you know, I got a few good years left in me yet. And just before I turned 66, they made it necessary for me to leave. So that was, you know, it was it was scary, but it was okay. It was kind of a relief because it had, it had gotten to be a job, you know, not, not something... Nearly all of my life, I'd get up in the morning and say, oh, goody, I get to go to work today. You know, I get to see people, I get to talk to people, or, or other things. I, I was in forensics way back when, so I didn't talk to a lot of people. But um, it, it got to be a chore. It was not fun anymore. It was a job, a means of making a living. So uh, that went away, and I, I dived into the online business and learn more and in the next three years the business will be totally out of debt july 1 um we paid off all of those credit cards that were floating around all of the lines of credit all of all of the everything and it's uh it's been good to see those numbers go down while the other ones went up. 
And then, as I told you, my accountant called me last year and said, you got to spend some money or you're going to have to pay it to Uncle Sam. So it, it bought me that brand-new Toyota 4Runner four, four sitting out there that's smiling at you and wagging its tail. <laughs> so, uh, so the safety net was essentially removed when... There was no safety net. It was it was figure out a way to get this paid off or you're just, you know, bankruptcy was, I, I don't quit. I don't quit. And as long as I don't quit, I can't fail. Hey, man, that's a word right there. <laughs> that's a word right there. Where did that come from? Like, is that like just been instilled in you from a young age? Did you got go through something that gave you that work ethic? My dad was um, an entrepreneur of sorts. He, uh, I don't think they called it that then, <laughs> but uh, my dad was born in 1906. Those, those were some, some bad times. His mother died when he was three. His father died when he was 13, and he and his two brothers were raised by a maiden aunt that was a tyrant. But dad had to drop out of school in the third grade. But he graduated from Cornell University later on. So uh, his his idea was always you can do anything you want to do. As a matter of fact, I, I remember at a young age he told me, he said, darling, if you want to do something badly enough, you can do it. Now, later on when I was going to college and told him that I wanted to be in forensics. He wished he hadn't told me that. <laughs> but, um, you know, he told me I could be anything I wanted to be as long as I wanted it badly enough. So. That's a winner's mentality right there. Mm -hmm. Were you an entrepreneur prior to the online business or when you started the online business, that was your first attempt? No. I, um, I basically always worked for somebody else because I wanted the security of that paycheck. You know, um, I was, I graduated from high school in 1969, college in 74, had my son in 75. And, you know, it was, by the time I was half grown, I had the world sitting on my shoulders and knew that I had to make it work. So it was, it was just necessary. I think a lot of people can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't complain about it because everything that happened to me along the way happened for a reason and made me who I am. It uh, made me the incredible bitch that just won't quit. You know, I, Daniel laughs because he knows that one of his counterparts has gained my ire many times. <laughs> we won't name names. <laughs> I just think it's so cool how, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, it's never too late to start something, right? You hear about, it's popular on social media, Yvonne, maybe you've seen like memes or posts where it's popular to talk about how you were an entrepreneur at such a young age where when you were a kid, you grabbed flowers from your neighbor's yard and you sold it down the street or you had a lemonade stand or you sold 
cards in high school. Like you were just an entrepreneur from the get go. And that, that's not relatable for everyone. Right. I I didn't have that mentality. I didn't know I was going to be a business owner with employees at 31. Right. I don't know if you knew that you were going to be doing what you're doing at, at this stage in the game. So when did you figure out that I'm ready to be an entrepreneur? Like this is what I'm ready for next. I did all this before, but I'm ready for this chapter next. Well, like I said, I kind of fell into it, and then once I got into it, I, I figured out a few things, and we, a group of us who had been um, in the same program as far as education and all of that, got together and formed our, our Wednesday meeting of the mindless, as I call it. Um, it's um, Crushed It Mastermind. And they're all Amazon e-commerce sellers, some very new, some that have been in it were going into it at the same time that I was. But the whole idea of the group is to help everybody to succeed. Um, and, and that's kind of my mantra. I'm, I feel like we were placed here for a reason, and that was to help somebody else. You know, I had people that helped me when I was coming along that I couldn't pay back. You know, I'd never be in the position that I could do for them what they had done for me. But I can help somebody else. And that keeps me going because I have to stay one step ahead. You know, if somebody comes up with a question, I've got, I feel like I have to find the answer, find the solution, or try to find the solution. And to help them to get out of the trouble that they're in. And with Amazon, there's always trouble. Uh, you, you always wait for the other shoe to drop. You sign on every morning wondering if you've been suspended for something or if one of your ASINs has been suspended for counterfeit or, or supposed counterfeit or if it's an uh, intellectual property issue or, or just a bot gone wild. Um, Amazon has gone to using a lot of AI probably to save money. I don't know. Um, but they try to use the bots, and the bots sometimes make it even worse. Um, Ten of our members got suspended for having related accounts when they had no related accounts. What happened was that Amazon decided to put together the North America, all the North American markets, which would be Canada, the United States, and Mexico. When they intermingled all three of those, a lot of people had not signed up for Canada and Mexico. I had, just for grins and giggles. And um, when the bot saw that these three accounts were sitting there for everybody, some of them with no information, they shut them down. And then we had to go back in and figure out a way to get Amazon to have a person actually look at it and open them back up because there, there was no problem. There was no issue. So the group sounds like it's been a real cornerstone to the success of everyone, not just self sharing ideas, you know, being able to go through and work the, trials and tribulations so you're not pulling your hair out by yourself mm-hmm. trying to figure out why your Amazon store got suspended you can talk to a group mm-hmm. from what it sounds like mm-hmm. so 
how did you form that? Is that something you guys just did on your own where you got invited in or? Well, you know? we, we had a, actually a group of us had come here to ASD. Mm-hmm. And um, can you tell the audience what that is? I wish I could. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I never, I never remember what the letters actually mean, but it is a marketplace where all of the vendors come, come into Las Vegas, usually two times a year is one of the largest vendor shows in the world. And, um, you know, you have, um, manufacturers to come in, you have jobbers that come in, you have, uh, all of the CBD people come in. Of course, that doesn't work for Amazon. But uh, it's an international type show. A lot of the uh, um, merchants will come in from China, from India, from Turkey, and they can show you what's there. You can, you can go to this one one-stop shopping place and find almost anything that you want. So you can like feel and touch the fabric rather than just, you know, right. waiting three weeks for it to get shipped and you're like, oh, this is not even what I wanted. Right. right. So for someone who's, you know, maybe just starting their store, wants to start a store and their first question is like, okay, well, I can sign up for Amazon right now. I can go on YouTube and figure out how to do a, you know, FBA store. But like first question is like, how do they find products? So obviously one of them is like a trade show. What are some other ways that, you know, someone can find products that are profitable? Um... You can actually buy lists from other people that have been in it for a long time, a list of wholesalers that are willing to sell to Amazon third-party sellers. A lot of people don't. Um, some will, but you you have several avenues to go down. You can drop ship, which is basically... Somebody buys something from you, and then you go buy it and ship it to them. Okay, it's like the middleman. You are the middleman. Um, it's a contract between you and the buyer, and then you have to become the buyer. To go source that product for them. Right. Okay. Um, which can be extremely dicey. It, it, can be, it can be very lucrative, but it can be very dicey because you just about the time the sale hits, your vendor's going to be out or out of that color or can't ship it or there's some kind of problem. Especially if it's a hot item or something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, I chose not to go that route. Amazon does it. They have very, very strong guidelines about how you can drop ship because the third-party seller in order to abide by Amazon's terms of service, the third-party seller has to be responsible for everything with that product. So if I sell you something, it comes to you in a Target box with a Target packing slip, that's not okay with Amazon. Mm. I have to buy it from XYZ, and it's delivered to you with my name on it. Only my name. So I'm the one that's responsible for everything that has to do with this. Um, Online arbitrage and retail arbitrage, I had a hard time wrapping my head around what arbitrage had to do with it because that, to me, is kind of a give-and-take situation. 
but arbitrage is actually going out and buying products for a good price, hopefully, and then selling them to other people at a higher price. It's, you know, the very definition of being a seller. Mm-hmm. You buy low and sell high. Um, now, there are companies that hire a lot of virtual assistants, most of them from the Philippines, to and teach them how to source products, how to either use um, software that will literally scrape the products from Target, Walmart, Bed Bath & Beyond, whatever, and match that product up with what Amazon is selling. Um, Or deciding that, you know, these are the 100 best sellers on Amazon right now in toys. Where can we find them for a good price to sell them? It's a reverse search. Um, I do the online arbitrage. I have some software that I'll, I'll set. Last night I set up four, I think it was four searches that worked all night to find what I was looking for. And um, then I can go through the list today or tomorrow to see what is actually there that is still good. You know, because prices can change from day to day. Um, they, um, when you set up software to search, you generally set it for wanting the top one or two percent of the sellers, and then, um, you want at least a 35 to 40% return on investment or it's not worth it because you pay Amazon 15%. Mm-hmm. Off the top. Off the top. Okay. You know, that every sale that's made, Amazon gets their 15%. And if it's um, FBA fulfilled by Amazon, which means that Amazon warehouses and sells, you know, ships it to the customers for you, then they charge you a uh, pick and pack kind of pay kind of charge is that percentage based as well uh no it's usually based on what it costs amazon to pick to pick and pack it to pick and pack it i mean it's it's generally cheaper than what we can mail it for okay you know so it's it's, benefits of doing you know fba yeah. yeah well that and and people you get the faster deliver delivery the prime delivery usually now in um, Q4, as we relate to it, the last three months of the year during the holiday season, we will, a lot of people will switch over to doing fulfilled by merchant, which means I have the product sitting at home and I mail it out myself because as Amazon gets busier, all of the warehouses get busier, all the fulfillment centers get busier. It takes longer to have your product received and takes longer to have it delivered. And during COVID, it was a freaking nightmare Oof. because everybody expected to receive from Amazon in two days. Wasn't going to happen because the trucks couldn't get through. You know, and then we had all of the big snowstorms and ice storms and floods and everything else that happened in 2020. Um, and it seemed to be continuing into 21. 
but you know all of those are things that you have to kind of weigh out and say okay this is the issue right now this is the problem that i'm seeing so what can i do about it the problem i was seeing was same the first time my husband and i went to the grocery store after all the covid crap started i had never in my life seen a meat counter completely empty and it went doing 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 what happens to people that can't get out and go to the grocery store what happens to the older people what happens to the people who have you know compromised health that don't want to get out or scared to get out or whatever so i was selling groceries that's why daniel laughed at me i i literally right now i've got 80 cases of ramen noodles sitting in my living room (laughs) waiting to be shipped to amazon (laughs) because every college student lives on them but it's people started becoming preppers whether they intended to or not because they didn't know if they could get to the grocery store i've sold probably 500 canned hams wow Uh, it so wait a minute wait a minute so we got to break this down so you're (laughs) selling groceries online yeah and you saw this and you noticed this when 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 was the time you went you and your husband went to the grocery store and noticed the well that was probably in january early february i'd started one of our other members had been selling groceries and told me that he and his wife, they lived in New Mexico at the time, he said he and his wife would go out and go to some of the smaller grocery stores and and whatever and find out where they were getting their stuff. And they sold to the very, they very directed audiences. Mm -hmm. Super targeted. Yeah, they they realized that a lot of the... um, Latino community would be looking for things in New Mexico that they wouldn't look for necessarily in Georgia or anywhere else. So they they would go out and find these things and and targeted them and was doing very well with them. He said, why don't you try it? I said, okay, fine. (laughs) And that's when I started switching. That was late 2019, started switching over to groceries, was completely switched over to groceries in the first quarter of 2000 of 2020 wow so for the people listening so you got into it right before everything hit the fan right so you're able to you know work out the kinks you know the growing pains initially what were some of the things that you know kind of surprised you when you first got into groceries or was it a a smooth easy transition because your experience the shit that people buy (laughs) <laughs> it was. It, it, you ever heard of spelt flour? No. No. Yeah, I sell a lot of spelt flour. Flour, um, anaroth, ancient grains, uh, gluten free, gluten free everything, everything that comes along. Um, but. I laugh and say the millennials, I, I don't know who it is. I think it's everybody in California, but they want organic and they want gluten-free and they want 
uh, keto and, you know, everything is looking for something healthy mm-hmm. outside of the ramen noodles. Uh, <laughs> the everyone, least, everyone loves some ramen. The least healthy and the most healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started trying to think like a millennial would. You know, I talked to some of my friends that are millennials. Who said, well, you know, what do you look for when you look at at the ingredients when you when you look at what's in something? Okay. Um, so you're doing your own market research. Yeah. Well, that's you do a lot of that when when you're on Amazon or eBay because that's where you're going to make your money. You make your money in the buy, not the sell. You'll hear a lot of Amazon third-party sellers talking about the race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. You don't get caught in the race to the bottom if you buy right. So that's a bar right there. So if you buy at the right price, it doesn't matter what that the market's doing. It doesn't matter because you're you're going to be able to at least break even. Okay. You know, you, you might lose a little once in a while, but mm-hmm. more most of the time you're not. Um, you know, it's hard to say and make people believe that when you buy some of these things, there's more than 100% return on investment. So you can double your money. Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this last segment, what you just talked about the last few minutes, because it's so important, whether you are an online business owner or a gym, whatever your business is, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the consumer, right? I know you, I know you're not into organics and keto diet and all this (laughs) stuff, right? I've known you for years. I know that's not your jam, but here you are thinking, okay, what do these people want? Right. Because if you can put two and two together, right, you provide the solution or you provide the product mm-hmm. to fulfill that want. Now you have a business that you can scale. Well, that that's just it. You have to find out what they want and then you have to give it to them. And if it was so easy, wouldn't everyone be an entrepreneur, Yvonne? <laughs> uh it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where you start though, right? That That's I've, the foundation. Yeah. I, I have probably worked harder at this than I've ever worked at anything in my life. But it's because I'm always looking for a new and different way to do it. An easier way to do it. I like easy. Mm-hmm. I really like easy. Um, my husband has been teasing me about starting Evie's uh, prep service. I'm actually looking at warehouses now. Never thought I'd say that in my life, especially not just before I turned 70. Good God. That's what entrepreneurship does to you. (laughs) (laughs) But um, a big part of having um, this type of online business when you're doing online arbitrage, I buy, it's delivered to me. I have to remove price tags. I have to remove some packaging i have to repack it i have to repad it i have to make it into a bundle i have to make it look right and then pack it up so that the 15 dollar an hour receivers at amazon don't a lose it b destroy it c break it up the wrong way um it's kind of in that situation of second guessing anything that can go wrong because it probably will. I sold a lot of, you know, the Martha Stewart Tostitos green stuff. 
and I would, you know, I'd wrap the jars. They're all glass. You wrap them in bubble wrap, and you literally do a two-foot drop to see if it'll break. <laughs> okay, I've got these things wrapped up like basketballs and shipped them all in and then get a, a message from a customer that Amazon sent it in a bubble mailer. Took it out of the bubble wrap and put it in one bubble mailer? Uh-huh. Smash. So I, I had to go one step further and decided to make it a package of two and wrapped them in bubble wrap and put them in a box and slap a sticker on it that says ready to ship. No confusion? No confusion. But uh, that's, and, and that's probably why it's easy for me. I was always taught or I was trained by the uh, pathologist that I work for actually you don't, when you see a problem, you find a solution. It's not something that you go around. You just find a way to fix it. You find a way to make the problem no longer a problem, turn it into an asset. So that's that's kind of it in a nutshell. It seems like the it's been the mantra the entire time, whatever problem you turn it into, an asset, $150,000 in debt turned into a six-figure business. Yeah. <laughs> can you uh, can you talk to the audience about a problem that you encountered? And I would imagine this this problem that you faced was maybe when you made the transition from working, you know, corporate life to, you know, online business owner, or maybe during COVID last year. Can you talk to the audience about a moment in time where you were just stressed out. Like there was this big problem that you were facing and you were overwhelmed. You were stressed out, maybe anxious, and you found a way to get from point A to point B. Can you talk to us about a moment that comes to your mind? Yeah, I got suspended. My account was suspended in Q4. Uh, biggest quarter of the year. Yeah. Of last year, I'm guessing. Yeah, it was uh, right about... Actually, it was the year before. It was um, in November. I got up and went and checked the Amazon account. And, of course, it was. It says, you have been suspended. We'll hold your money. We'll hold your product. We'll, and it was over something that was totally menial. Um, a uh, toy a Captain America toy, I'll never forget. Um, someone had, I had, I had listed on a, a an existing listing, and didn't realize that it was a different UPC code. It looked like the same toy, but it was a different UPC code. So they hit me up for uh, for. Not for counterfeit, but saying that I had intentionally listed under that ASIN in order to avoid the requirements for selling Marvel toys. So I had to figure out a way to convince these people in India that don't speak English that I'm approved by Marvel. I have the lever- letter in my hand. 
and all I did was make a mistake. Mm-hmm. It took me two weeks, and they were holding $20,000 of my money. Oh, great. That's like, oh, shit. You know, because here again, at that time, I was still probably $150,000 in debt. Mm. And all of this on credit cards. Interest doesn't stop. No interest yet. Okay. And that's probably one of the things I'm very proud of. I We started this all on credit cards. I managed to roll those puppies and keep rolling them. I have not paid one dime of interest on any of that money. Wow. It's a power OPM right there. <sighs> yeah. It also leads to sleepless nights because you're out looking for more credit cards when you've already got 20-some-odd credit cards and it's knocked the hell out of your credit score. So you're trying to get another credit card that you can do a balance transfer to get rid of that one that's about to charge you 27% interest. So, yeah, there have been a few moments like that. But then it was just goes back to you can't quit. So you got to keep plugging. And it's taken me four years, but now when I get a notice that something has been suspended or something is wrong or whatever, I can almost open a case in my sleep and it'll be fixed within a couple of days. I had I had one situation that started in July of last year. It was one of the remaining um, wholesale products that I had. It was a roll of automotive tape that you use when you're, you know, to just stripe it off when you're painting a car or whatever. The roll of tape cost me $1.40. I was selling them for $7.99. Well, Amazon lost. I think it was like 1,200 rolls when it was shipped in. Like a pallet. Yeah. And... I said, okay, you lost them, pay me. And they reimbursed me 50 cents each. I said, whoa, that's not right. They said, well, yeah, it is because these are the measurements and these are the weights, and they had one roll of tape, like a roll of masking tape, weighing six and a half pounds, And measuring like 12 by 12 by 12. I said, that's a roll of 24, guys. That's not one roll. So I opened a case and said, I I need you to do what's called a cubic scan on this, where they actually take it and put it on a machine and get the length, the width, the weight, the whatever. need you to do a cubic scan because you charged me incorrectly. And you have reimbursed me incorrectly. <clears throat> it went on for six months. And I was sending, I literally had to open 16 different cases because they would only consider five sales per case. Great. Okay. <laughs> you know, cut and paste, cut and paste. And it became a game. And they said, well, we're not going to reimburse you because the measurement's right. I said, the measurements were not right. You are going to reimburse me. 
No, we're not going to do it. Yes, you are going to do it. No, we're not going to do it. Send it to your legal department. We're going to arbitrage. No, we're not going to do it. Yes, you are. 16 times a week. You know, I, I got really good at cut and paste, and I would get all of their emails saying, we're working on it, we're working on it, we're working on it. What they were trying to do is pawn it off somebody else. Mm-hmm. They finally came down and said, the weights are correct. We're not going to reimburse you. And I looked at my account, and it's got a much bigger balance than it's supposed to have. And what the heck did I sell? Went into the sales, and there was nothing there that would account for it. So I went into the reimbursement report. And while they were steadily telling me they weren't going to do anything, they reimbursed me over $3,000. There you go. For what they had lost and what they had done wrong. So, you know, it's it's perseverance, but it, it does become a game after a while. And you don't, when I remember how badly I sweated being shut down that first time, now it's just like, okay, I get a couple of days off. Because you, you learn how to do it. Amazon has a huge learning curve. Some people never get there. But it's, it will be the hardest job you ever love. That's a word right there. So obviously Amazon has its own troubles. Is that the only places you sell out online? No, I, I cross over into Shopify and to eBay. I haven't, of course, now there are, what, probably 25 or 30 other um, platforms that you can go on to. But my Shopify store, my eBay store, and my Amazon store are all linked so that if I sell something, if somebody goes to eBay and buys one of my listings that is being stored at Amazon, Amazon will automatically fulfill that order. Mm. Or if it's something I have from home, then I ship it for Amazon, for eBay, for Shopify, whatever. But there's that's, that's where you find the tools that are going to help you. you. There are software tools that you have to have to be able to find uh, good products to sell. There are software tools that you have to have to be able to um, look at every product and every sale to decide if it if you're getting all that you can out of it. You know, if you've got the best shot for making money on it. Um, there's a list of like 13 things that I look for when I look at a product to see if if it's going to be good for me to sell. Um, but every workman has his tools. Tools for this are basically um, software, hardware, obviously. You live with your computer. Um, there are packaging tools that I never thought about needing. Tape dispensers, tape rolls, um, undo, which I had never heard of until probably December of last year. It's a, um, you know, everybody's heard of Goo Gone and Goof Off and all of that that have that very petroleum smell and feel. Mm -hmm. Undo will kill the glue so that you can remove a label or tape. 
and it doesn't have the smell. It's big for someone who doesn't Big deal. Oh, yeah, big deal. Uh, Scotty peelers. You have potato peelers and you have Scotty peelers. Scotty peelers are very sharp little suckers that are made with beveled edges all the way around so that you can remove a label. Just kind of slice it right off. Um, box cutters. I have a tool that can cut a big box down to a smaller box so that I don't have to pay USPS as much. Um, just a total learning curve. Where would you say, and, and guys, make sure you check out Evie's Everything. That's Yvonne's store on Amazon. And obviously she talked about it being connected with Shopify and eBay. Where did you, I guess, me ask a different question. For someone that wants to start making money online, where should they start to learn? You brought up, there's going to be a big learning curve, right? So is it, you know, Google, is it YouTube? Is it certain programs they should invest in? Where should they start? YouTube videos are very good, uh, but they're so plentiful, you have to decide who really knows what they're talking about. Uh, the same with almost anything else on YouTube, I guess. Um, Amazon actually has a seller university that we encourage every newbie that we have to go through the Amazon university first you know, find out exactly what Amazon expects you to do, um, because they're term they're they're very very um, adamant about their terms of service, and they are a customer centric company. So it doesn't matter what the situation is; the turnout has to be good for the customer. Regardless, um, sellers sometimes get tied up in that we're making them money, so you know they ought to do more for us. Yeah, but without that, they became the biggest selling platform in the world by being customer centric. So I understand it. I, I rant and rave against it sometimes, but you, you know, I I purchased a program where I had mentors and um, masterminds and, and all of that. Um, I was able to do that, and I was very lucky. I had, had very good mentors that literally came into town and put boots on the ground showing me how to do things. Um, I made contacts with people who were willing to answer my questions and made it through that way, but it's it can be very expensive um, for people that want that need to, especially now, start sh- something on a shoestring, or where they're trying to. You have a young couple that's trying to do a side hustle, you know, to make a little more than their paychecks. They don't have a lot to invest, and that's where retail arbitrage and online arbitrage can really come in and and actually what the the beauty of drop shipping is 
Drop shipping, you don't spend any money until you have their money. With online or retail arbitrage, you are literally buying things low and reselling them for more. So you don't have to, you know, you can buy one doll or you can buy 10 pairs of shoes Mm -hmm. or 100 pairs of shoes. That's up to you. Um, but you can, you can do it small. You know, we have people that are maybe only doing one or two or ten sales a day. We have other people that do thousands of sales a day. So, you know, you, you can start small. Um, one of my suppliers, um, Sean Mayo, Actually, I buy a list from him that his VAs prepare for a list of online arbitrage items. And Sean Mayo started unemployed, very little money, working out of his basement. And now not only has a huge Amazon and eBay empire, but he has several brick-and-mortar toy stores. Oh, wow. So he transitioned from online space to actual brick-and-mortar. And and has both of them going now. Um, most of the people that you, or a lot of the people that you'll see that are on YouTube or other places will tell you, you can do all of this and make six figures in a year. You can make six, seven figures in sales. Making it in sales is not the same as turning a profit. Um, When I decided, when I started deciding I needed to transition, I was looking at all of the books, and yeah, I was paying off a lot of debt, which is good. But I wasn't moving forward. I wasn't making any profit. I wasn't looking at coming close to a profit. So that pushed the transition, too. It was another one of those, we've got a problem, we've got to find a solution. So we did a 180, and it's been a good deal. Would you transition from? Uh, a lot of wholesale. Um Kitchen products. I sold a lot of IKEA products. So you went from doing those types of sales to transitioning to to the online arbitrage, where you know I I probably get in anywhere from fifty to a hundred cases of something every week, and then ship it out to Amazon. So so you made the transition from selling kitchenware, Ikea, to now more groceries, health products, things like that. Uh, yeah, hair care, beauty products. Um, when you first start with Amazon, they only allow you to sell in a very few categories. And as you are there longer and do better with your store, then they will allow you to sell other things. They call it ungating you, allowing you to sell. When you when you first start, 
almost all you can sell is going to be kitchenware, things like that. Um, I think kitchen and dining was the only thing that I was approved in for the first six or eight months. Why do they do that? Because they're customer-centric. They want to make sure before people start selling groceries or selling Mattel or selling uh, Marvel that they know what they're doing and that they're not bringing in Chinese knockoffs. That makes sense. So, so you were saying, if I heard you correctly, you had a checklist before you have a product that you want to sell. If I heard you correctly, there's 13 items off that checklist that have to check off before you make that choice. Mm-hmm. What would you say are the top three on, on that list where if you're deciding on what to sell, like what are the top three things that have to fit within this product for you to you know, want to invest your time and money into it? Well, four or five of the 13 are making sure that the product you're looking at is absolutely um, identical to the listing on Amazon. Um, going back to the Captain Marvel, it looked the same, but it had a different UPC. Can you elaborate a little bit more for the audience there? Um, every time a toy company comes out with a different version of something or they come out with frozen and frozen two and i you know is there a three yet if not there probably will be they will change it slightly and then give it a new upc which is universal product code everything that we buy or sell or make or have anywhere has a upc code or a uh, a GTIN, which is another sort of um, identification. If I can have two things here that look absolutely identical, but if the UPC code is different, they're not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like having two baseball cards. One's a rookie card, one's you know, the next year when they're not a rookie. It's the same picture. It looks the same. It's the same person. But they're worth different amounts. So they're, they're totally different. Um, so once you determine that you absolutely have the right listing for this item, then you want to look at its velocity. How does it sell? Does it sell one a month? Does it sell a thousand a month? How many sellers are there already? I won't get on a listing with more than 10 sellers. Because if it's selling a hundred a month, that means I may only get 10 sales a month. If it's a high ticket item, that might be okay. But if I'm making a dollar on it, that's not okay at all. Um, on the other hand, if it sells a thousand a month, then there are only five sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, I can make a little less because I'm going to turn it over faster. So you always have to weigh the velocity versus the profit, or the return on investment. Um, 
those are the two most important things. Because again, if you don't buy it right, you can't sell it for enough to make money. If you buy it and only have a 15% return on investment, it better sell 100 a day. <laughs> it's a high velocity at that point. Yeah, for me to be willing to do it. So it's, you know, you're looking at making $100. Do I make it with 100 items? Do I make it with one item? So if you had to pick one way to make money online, I've heard wholesale, re- arbitrage, drop shipping. Like, what do you think is the, the most efficient way to make money online, in your opinion? Well, there's also private label, and a lot of people uh, swear by that, but I don't have the imagination to come up with private label products that people jump all over and, you know, turn me into the next entrepreneur of the year. Um, I'm comfortable with arbitrage. I have maybe 10% wholesale because, again, when I was revamping, one of the things I was looking at was with wholesale, you buy large quantities of one item. If you make a mistake... You can lose a lot of money on large quantities of one item. You'll be stuck with large quantities yeah. of unwanted items. Yeah. Um, ask Frank one of these days about Batmobiles. Uh, <laughs> we, um, we had one founding member that at ASD decided to buy a lot of Batmobiles. I bought like 25 of them. He bought 500 so this is the event that you guys all got together here in Vegas. Yeah. And you yeah. bought 25 Batmobiles? I bought 25 Bat- Batmobiles. And he and bought 500? he bought 500. The last I heard, he, he's moved to Thailand now um, with his wife. But I think they had to give away a lot of those Batmobiles when they were leaving <laughs> because he, he got stuck with them. And, you know, he had the price was too high on them. The price tanked on Amazon. And um, I went to him one day and said, look, you know, I, I found them over here where you can buy them for a dollar. What you need to do is buy another 500 so that you lower your average cost. cost. <laughs> <laughs> then you can sell them for a profit. He said, no, 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 that's just good money after bad. I said, okay, fine. You know, so you you have to have, you have to develop a lot of business sense about how you can change your cost. You know, if I buy this and have to put it in, in bubble wrap and a box, is there enough profit in there to pay for the box and the, and the bubble wrap? Um, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. Have you thought about putting together a course or putting together some kind of education to help other people and for you to monetize your your wisdom because i say there's wisdom and there's knowledge right knowledge i can get from you but wisdom is when you actually live it breathe it and you're doing it and i'm sure you see all the fake gurus out there in their lamborghinis when they're selling a course on how to make money online and they're probably not even doing it now some of them are right yeah but you you actually or are, did yeah <laughs> you're actually doing it right now and you've been in the trenches for years so have you thought about that i have and um probably stupid 
Um, but again, my my basic tenet is that we were placed on this earth to help other people. And I will not monetize the knowledge that I've gotten from other people. I pay it forward. I started paying things forward long before the movie ever came out. But uh, that's that's just my belief. Could I make more money probably putting together this uh, course and or hiring a couple of VAs and selling lists? Yeah, probably. But it wouldn't be, there'd be no satisfaction in it. Just money. Money's not that important. The bills are paid. That's enough. Uh, I respect that answer. I know uh, you guys have that that group that you talked about earlier. The uh, the group is all people that are entrepreneurs that are selling online, right? Either right. wholesaling, arbitrage. Right. How many people are in the group? Uh, I think we have a role, a membership role of about thirty. We have probably fifteen that are that meet every week, that are there every week. Um, some drop in, drop out. Um, some have day jobs. And can't make it. So for those, we uh, record all of the meetings and, and people are able to get the, rec- we send out the recordings and they're able to, you know, watch it and still ask questions. We have a Facebook group where they can ask questions and, and interact. Um, we have what we call accountability partners that we have phone calls or Zoom calls every week with various members. If they have problems or they have troubles or an issue, then we try to help them find them or we try to hold them to the goals that they've got. Um, I'll have a Zoom call with a couple this afternoon. And what the way we set them up, the young lady will look for a list of products and start breaking down what she likes or doesn't like about them and then we'll look at them again so that I can point out what she anything she might have missed or show her how to go down a rabbit hole. We do a lot of that, you know, where you if you look up a product that you're a blue shirt. Okay, we're gonna find you a blue v-neck t-shirt that is not all cotton so it won't wrinkle that's soft maybe bamboo but um we'll look through all of that and try to find it okay we find the blue one they have it in yellow is anybody buying it in yellow how about red black's always popular um, so you, you chase down leads from everywhere the same way you'd, you would do in, with some of your educational things. Somebody asks a question and you go down a rabbit hole to find the answer. And you come back with it and it makes you smarter too. And it gives you more of a knowledge base. So that's what we do. So you're already doing mentoring and education mm-hmm. for free. I mean, I know you could be charging thousands of dollars. So the fact that you're given this for free speaks volumes of you. It doesn't surprise me. You're one of the most genuine people I know. 
well of, of all of us because they, you know like i said there's we have 30 members 15 that are very active um about six of us were with the group when we started and um the old heads kind of try to help the newer ones along whether or not and and everybody that we have in the group has something that they're very good at they may not realize it one of our very new members was saying you know i don't have anything to give to the group because i i just started doing this i said wait a minute you were telling me about how you did all this preliminary research can you tell our people how to do that how you went about it how you hired your va how you trained her because they don't know that so everybody has something to add it's so true so true nice what about the the account that and it's kind of interesting i want to give some context for the audience you know when you and i first started talking you fit that solopreneur uh tagline right you didn't have any w-2 employees right and for the people that don't know if you are a solopreneur you don't have w-2 employees you have the ability to take advantage of what's called the solo 401k where you can take some money out of your retirement penalty and tax-free and, and i know there's been a couple times over the years where you have tapped into your retirement penalty and tax-free can you talk to us about how you use that money and, and how that helped you um always it's always an investment in the company. It's always to buy more product. It's always to take advantage of some deal somewhere. Um, you know me. I don't like to not have reserves. I don't. I I don't walk on eggshells with my money, and I don't invest everything in anything so if i can take my excess take the funds out of my retirement account that obviously i'm not retiring anytime soon i can take the funds out of my retirement account loan them to my business and then allow the business to repay my retirement account with interest while I'm buying more and more product to create more profit, it's just a big circle. And loaning money to myself and paying interest to myself is just seems kind of smart to me. I mean, that and 0% credit cards. Yeah. Right. I mean, a lot of people do two things wrong, right? They get a business going and there's a bunch of flaws and it's not making money and it's going backwards. And then they get into debt and that debt is costing them money, right? Mm -hmm. And here you were, you put yourself in the consumer's shoes. You thought about what these people want. How can I sell them something that they can want, that they want and I can scale this. And then you used other people's money. You used the bank's money at 0% and you tapped into your retirement account penalty and tax-free to fund the business as well. Mm -hmm. So even though I was in monstrous debt in my eyes, I, you know, I'm sure it's just a drop in the bucket for a lot larger businesses, but 
you know, over $150,000 in debt was just scary as hell to me. Um, so to be able to cover some of that debt with money out of my retirement account that I wasn't planning on using anytime soon um, just made sense. And then for the account to make interest off of that was just gravy. I mean, it's I'm growing my retirement account while growing my business, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a word right there. <laughs> you can grow your retirement account while growing your business, and Uncle Sam doesn't have to take twenty percent off the top. Yeah, I, you know, he's the one uncle that I've never been very fond of. Yeah, he never he never gives us crisp twenties, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, well, yeah, he he didn't take me out for ice cream or any of those things. Yeah, he's but, the uncle uh, who asks you for money. <laughs> he, he does he doesn't ask he does not ask nicely he's, he demands he, he says how much did you make last year send a check mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but, uh, my accountants used to always give me a hard time when i was in the workforce because i would have like the maximum withheld from my checks and they said why do you overpay uncle sam i said because i don't want to write that son of a bitch check ever he can send me one. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't. I had to write one check to Uncle Sam for hunting like a hundred bucks one time, and it just broke my heart. Just killed me. <laughs> well, that's 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 smart right there. Obviously, it's a. Uh, it's not about what you make; it's about what you take home. Yeah. Well, and then when I got into business, I had always done my own taxes. You know, one way or another, I'd have somebody else to prepare them, but I'd always have all of the books, all the spreadsheets and have everything there. I'd I'd laugh and say, I get it down to zero and then you get me my refund. Um, But when I went into this business and started the LLC and all of that, I said, that's it. I've got to have a a bookkeeper. And uh, I actually went to my banker at the time and said, do you know of anyone? And he said, well, actually, yes, I do. And he gave me the name of my EA that is absolutely fabulous. And um, he didn't know anything about e-commerce. But he was ready to learn. So I taught him about e-commerce and and what kind of pitfalls there were in the bookkeeping and everything else. And he gave me a, a break on all of my charges and it's been a wonderful relationship because he he can now go out and do books for anybody with an amazon account he knows exactly how to get what he needs from the reports and where to get them that's a really important point because a lot of entrepreneurs that i've talked to they're still in the weeds they're still doing their own books they're doing their own taxes yeah, uh-uh. and that just gives me the uh, the goosebumps because we're already busy with all the other things going on with the business so Delegation is huge and, and knowing when to, you know, get out of the business in that sense is, is super, super important. What about some some lessons if you could, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up here, you've been at this now for three, four years. You've been through the ups and downs. You survived COVID. You're not just surviving, you're thriving. What are some of the, the big lessons that you've learned in, in taking on an online business at, at this stage in your life? That's a hard question to answer. Um, basically, that you can't do it all yourself. You you have to, the old adage, you have to spend money to make money. 
is very true in that every workman needs his tools. Um, you know, I, I go gaga over a new tape gun because it makes it a little bit easier for me. I found a uh, box cutter that you hold like this with a handle instead of having to use your finger on top and usually wind up cutting your arm loose. Um, I have software that does all kinds of things. I, I subscribe to a service that keeps up with all of the sales taxes for me. Um, I, I buy list to keep from having to go into the weeds and hunt for products myself. Um, I haven't hired a VA yet because I haven't figured out how to have enough time to train them the way I want them. Um, you know, time is always of the essence. So now that I've figured out basically how to do most of it myself, I want to try to figure out how I can and to what extent I can grow without having to make too many large changes. You know, if if I grow much more, I'm going to have to have that warehouse. I'm going to have to rethink some of my products if I'm going to have a prep service because I have to build their fees into it. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's ever evolving. You have to be able to turn on a dime. You can't, you can't get caught in analysis paralysis. You have to be ready to make a decision, even if it's the wrong one. You know, so... You have to you have to have your tools. You you have to figure out what you need, and then you have to just break it down and get them. You have to you have to change your mind about having it all under your roof, all in your hands. You have to delegate again, whether you're delegating to software, to hardware, to to uh, virtual assistant to a packing company, whoever. Um, your polybag suppliers become your best friends because they remind you that you're going to need more in Q4 than you needed before and you don't want to run out. It's, it's all about relationships with you and your tools, with you and your suppliers, with you and your customers. I got a question. This going to be one of my last ones. You've done so well. This story is super inspiring for anyone who's listening from the top to the bottom. Did you have any haters? Any naysayers? You know, obviously, I know that you were never going to quit because that was instilled in you from your father. But you know, did you have doubters in, in the beginning that were like, you know, you're crazy for doing this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, a lot of our own members dropped out after the first six months because they couldn't figure out how to do it. They weren't, they were ready to take a loss as opposed to 
trying to figure it out. It was too much trouble for them or it was not. They were stuck in the weeds or they were underwater. They they couldn't figure the way out, so they were ready to take the loss and, and just move on. Um, having the attitude of not being able to quit, not allowing myself to quit, um, it didn't matter to me what anybody else said because if they told me I couldn't do it, I was going to do it or die. You can't sell groceries. Watch me. Uh, my own husband. I wouldn't buy that shit. And I said, I wouldn't sell it to you. <laughs> I'm not selling to you. I'm selling to somebody else. Know oh. your customer, ladies and gentlemen. Know your customer. <laughs> well, I, when I bought the car, I'm talking to the finance guy across the desk. He said, you sell ladies stuff? I said, yeah. He said, uh. It's almost Christmas. I said, yeah. He said, I got a mother and a girlfriend. I said, I'll send you a list. (laughs) So, you know, because I I do have a lot of things for you guys that need to buy pretty stuff for your ladies. I have all kinds of artisan soaps and lotions and things like that. that, Stuff my girlfriend loves. Great. Yeah, (laughs) girlfriends love them, and they're already wrapped up. All you have to do is hand them over, ribbons and everything. So, um, yeah, you, you have to know your customers. Where can people find you if they want to check your store out and see what you got? Amazon.com slash Evie's Everything. That's E-V-I-E-S Everything. It's Amazon.com slash shop slash Evie's Everything. And that will take you directly to the store. Um on eBay, it's just Evie's everything. But if you're looking for uh, the best soaps on the market, I carry the best. They're made by a gentleman in uh, California. That uh, It's called the Grecian Soap Company. So any of their products on Amazon, you're going to see me. I'm his sole supplier. Nice. I got it on lockdown. We'll make sure your uh, your links to your sites are in the podcast notes. So guys, check out the podcast notes so you can see what uh, Yvonne has cooking there. And then you mentioned members for the, the group, for the online business group. Are you guys accepting new members? Absolutely. Anytime. Oh. Um, they can find the group online and they can request um, membership. We have just a few questions that they need to answer to let us know where they are on their journey and, you know, what they're looking for. And uh, very few rules. The The biggest ones are basically that everybody's treated with, um, in an honorable fashion, everybody is going to be not naysayers, not negative, not putting people down. We're in it to help each other. Um, and we ask that everybody gives back in whatever way they have, um, whether it's a, a presentation or one of our members is fantastic about if we talk about a tool, she can she can source it that fast, and she'll throw it into the chat so everybody can find it. She's she is our uh, guru of 
Google, I think. But everybody has something to give. Everybody. And what's the name of the group? It's Crushed It Mastermind 2. So it's Crushed It Mastermind 2. Yep. So they just go on Facebook and just search in groups, Mm -hmm. Crushed It Mastermind group. Yep. And we'll be more than happy to talk with them, help them out, get them. And we don't sell anything. We, we pride ourselves, I guess, uh, on being one of the only mastermind groups of that sort. We don't have anything to sell. And I believe you because you are a no bullshit kind of person. So guys, if you are interested in making money online, one, go support Yvonne and go check out her stores uh, in the notes of the podcast. But two, if you have an interest in making money online, maybe you're already doing it and you'd like to learn how to do it better, or you've been thinking about doing it and you just haven't figured out how to do it, or it's just too daunting. You know, Yvonne obviously dropped some nuggets here today as far as what you can do to get started, but you're going to need a lot more help. And it sounds like they really have the process down as far as, Hey, you need this process, this software to do ABC or, Hey, this is what you should look for when you sell, or this is how you should market it. So definitely recommend that you go check out her group in, in Facebook and you're pretty active on Facebook too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, my, you, you were asking me how I marketed things, and I got off subject there, but I will actually take the pictures from Amazon of my products, and I'll throw the listings up in, an, in a Facebook post. It doesn't cost me anything. People still see it. They go to the store. Yeah, so just for your personal they hit, brand. They hit the link, and it takes them straight to Amazon. Don't tell Zuckerberg. He'll charge me. <laughs> word uh, of mouth. Best, adver- best advertising. Yeah, well, and it, it used to be word of mouth. Now it's put it on Facebook and anybody will buy anything. There you have it, folks. Well, Yvonne, you uh, are a direct representation of what a winner looks like. Uh, kudos to you to what you've done and uh, guys make sure if you've got value from this episode again go to spotify go to itunes give us a review give us some love there so we can get this podcast in front of more and more people if you haven't already make sure that you're following myself daniel blue on instagram or facebook you can check out kita on instagram at high key and then make sure that you are following Yvonne over on Facebook and and check out her group, check out her store. Yvonne, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. It's been fun. All right, winners. You guys have a great rest of your week. We will see you next week. Peace out.